I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to the Life, Death, and Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. I know it seems like a strange combination, but that gives me a unique view of life and death. Death can be scary. I get that. That's why I'm doing this. I want to help people explore life, death, and what it all means. We are born and we die. What we do in the middle is the space between. As an innovator in the emerging field of brainwave entertainment audio meditation, Karen Newell, co-founder of Sacred Acoustics, empowers others in their journeys of self-discovery. Using Sacred Acoustics recordings, she teaches how to connect to inner guidance, achieve inspiration, improve wellness, and develop intuition. In her search for answers to fundamental questions, it became clear that direct experience is crucial to full understanding. To bolster her strong sense of inner knowing and alignment with her higher nature, she enrolled in a series of hands-on experiential courses to investigate and develop such skills as lucid dreaming, astral travel, telepathy, remote viewing, self-hypnosis, and different forms of energy healing. She developed a facile expertise in living through daily connection with universal consciousness, using heart awareness as a central element. At international workshops presented with best-selling author Dr. Evan Alexander, Karen demonstrates key practices of consciousness exploration, heart awareness, intention, maintaining neutrality, emotional management, and cultivating internal knowing. She was co-author with Dr. Alexander of their latest book, Living in a Mindful Universe, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Heart of Consciousness. It is my greatest honor to welcome Dr. Karen Newell to Life, Death, and the Space Between. Thank you so much, Karen, for coming on today and talking with me. A few Hello, weeks. Thank you for inviting me. So a few weeks ago, I had Dr. Eben Alexander on the show with whom you co-wrote Living in a Mindful Universe, and we talked about the notion of a life review. And today, I wanted to talk with you a little about how we can truly open ourselves up to having more deep, meaningful, spiritual experiences. And at the course I recently took with you, you and Eben talked about the spiritual crisis that we're experiencing right now and how, as a result, we're experiencing mental, emotional, and physical crises. So can you speak to sort of how, in terms of embodying gratitude, that can help transform us because you spoke about this so beautifully and it just made perfect sense to me. Right. Well, gratitude, the, the way I approach gratitude is very related to the heart and feeling gratitude, not just talking about gratitude. And so often when we, when, you know, maybe we're all sitting around at Thanksgiving dinner and everyone goes around and says what they're grateful for. And we all say, oh, I love you so much. And, you know, we tell each other these things with our words, with our mind, but do we feel that gratitude as we're speaking it? And what I mean by that is we should be able to all of us, because we're all humans, we all have this heart inside of us, we all should be able to feel our hearts. And in our you know, modern culture, as you say, there's so many crises going on. It seems like right and left. It's, most of us seem to shut down our hearts. We don't want to feel the pain mm -hmm. that's going on in the world. But 
this can lead to lots and lots of problems because when we choose not to feel our emotions, they, they stay inside of us and they cause trouble whether we you know, are conscious of it or not. So the idea of generating gratitude in your heart is a way to sort of combat that. And so this isn't really, it, it seems simple, but it's not necessarily easy. For me, this mm-hmm. concept was very challenging and, and I would try to feel something in my heart and all I could do was think about it. And so I took a lot of time to recall things in my life that made me feel happy. And this took a while and uh, I had to go back pretty far, but I found something in childhood. Very often these things happen in childhood before all these traumas happen. And in this case, my mother had taken in a stray dog who happened to be pregnant. And we didn't realize that at the time, but she gave birth to her puppies underneath my bed. Now I was six years old and this to me was the most magical thing. I had brothers around the same age. They were jealous. You know, why did she pick your bed? This was very (laughs) special. And these puppies just were so cute and full of life. And I just loved them. I had this affinity for puppies. Not everyone does, but for me, puppies, thinking of all the dogs I'd ever had, really reminded me how to feel the gratitude in my heart. And then when I started going around in the world, these feelings of gratitude that I had been practicing generating started to bring me some rather unexpected return. In one case, I gave a $20 bill to a homeless man, something I hadn't really been kind of uh, doing, been doing on a regular basis. But something one day compelled me to hand this man, not just a single dollar bill, but a $20 bill. And when I handed it to him, he looked at me and said, thank you so much. Now I can go get something to eat. And I felt good about giving him the money in my mind, but I also felt this amazing, warm, fuzzy, wonderful feeling in my heart. And I feel that because I had been practicing generating gratitude from within, I felt this man's gratitude in return. And it's just a beautiful thing we can do. And it's a something we can practice on a daily basis. And as we begin to bring those more positive, beneficial feelings into our system, we start to combat those more negative types of emotions that are less beneficial to us. But when you're talking about practicing it, I think people might misunderstand that, right? Because I think there's the manufactured practicing it and some regard, which is write down three things you're grateful for today. And it becomes just this rote, practice of an exercise versus like maybe today there's not going to be something that resonates so deeply in my heart and that's okay. Yeah, it is okay. It's not, some, it's not like we are, you know, I'm recommending we all walk around with these little bubbles of love in our hearts, but mm-hmm. we take time each day, just a few minutes, just five minutes a day, really, to sit quietly and practice feeling. I did it a lot when I was lying in bed as I was falling asleep, or if I first, when I first woke up, if I hadn't, didn't need to get up right away to drive to work, I would lay there and just 
feel this. And then the rewards come unbidden. It's not like I can say now, oh, I'm going to hand a homeless man a $20 bill to feel that feeling in my heart. That's not how it works. These things are very spontaneous, but our feelings are very, very useful kind of uh, pieces of information. When when we're out in the world and, and we feel ourselves getting uncomfortable, that's a clue that something inside of us isn't really quite aligned with uh, whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. It's not the uh, idea that something outside of me caused the pain inside. Something outside of me merely triggers pain that's already inside of me. And that's where, you know, manufacturing and I cultivating, practicing, yes, be very clear, feeling gratitude, not just performing a rote uh, like prayer or something like the Lord's Prayer or something like that. It's mm-hmm. a little bit different approach than what we've really been taught. Yeah. And and you're speaking my language so much here with this notion of feeling, because I see it all the time in my practice is this fear of feeling negative, anything negative. And we've gotten so everything has gotten so watered down and it be, has become all about being happy all the time and cultivating that constantly. And that gets really away from the human experience. And this feeling of gratitude I, I shared on, I think it was Instagram over Thanksgiving, um, which I'm new to and it totally freaks me out. So the, putting myself out there in that way, But I had had an experience with a friend who her husband is ill and I helped gather money to provide him with some meals. And when I spoke to her about it, her response filled my heart. And it was was right after I had gone to your class. And Mm -hmm. it was a light bulb for me of like, this is what it really feels like. It was such a physical experience of gratitude that seemed like it just filled my entire body up. Wow, I am entirely excited to get that feedback that you were able to experience exactly what I was describing. And it's really up to each and every one of us to open ourselves. We did some exercises in the class. Mm -hmm. I know you're going to ask, so I'll just segue into it. Okay, go ahead. Special sound technology is what we used in that class, and of course, some guided visualizations. Um, our the sound is not just doing it on its own. Your mind listening can direct with your awareness what your experience can be. It's very empowering to look at it that way. So, the sound that we're speaking of is something that helped me when I first started to uh, try really hard to establish a meditative practice. It Mm -hmm. was incredibly challenging to quiet the mind for even just a few minutes uh, because I constantly, I'm a busy project manager. I just had lists and, you know, maybe past arguments or discussions going through my mind. And it was sound that really helped to settle that mind. And at first it was things like gongs or tuning forks or crystal bowls, Tibetan bowls, anything with a constant monotone sound, kind of that wah, wah, wah. Mm -hmm. And it was specifically 
brainwave entrainment technology or something loosely known as binaural beats that helped a lot. And interestingly, binaural beats sounds very similar to those kind of Tibetan bowls. Wah, wah, wah. And what that is, is it's a signal going to the brain that helps to bring the brain into lower states of awareness associated with meditation, sleep, relaxation. And so the beta state is what we're in, you know, now when we're talking, when we're analyzing, when we're thinking. And uh, the lower states, delta is associated with sleep. Theta and alpha are kind of in between delta and beta. And those are the states that these brainwave entrainment tones help to entrain the brain to these lower states of awareness so that we don't have to practice for 10,000 hours like those Tibetan monks mm-hmm. in order to get somewhere. And in our Western world, we, you know, we're a little impatient. We're used to things happening quickly. And so this you know, meditation or any kind of practice of going within can never be one of those very quick fix sorts of things. It does involve some commitment and daily or almost daily regular kind of practice, but the right. sound can help it go a little more quickly. Now, people who already have a meditative practice, some will say that the sound helps them to go even deeper. A few will say that the sound kind of gets in their way because they're already used to a certain method. And mm-hmm. that's the beauty of the sound is that we're all unique. We're all going to respond differently. I learned recently that our brain waves, each and every one of us, have incredibly unique brain waves. And it's, it's akin to our thumbprints. They are actually unique to every individual. So the tones will affect us all slightly differently, but there are some patterns. Some people will feel vibrations or tingling in the body. Others will get profoundly relaxed where the body is really relaxed, but the mind is still aware. A good clue that you're in the right space is if you can hear yourself gently snoring. That means that your body has kind of fallen asleep, but you're still aware and you're like, wait, wait, how could that be? It, it can be a subtle thing if you're a beginner, first getting into these kind of expanded states of awareness. So you want to really practice and find out for yourself. We have a free download on sacredacoustics.com that your listeners can go to uh, our website, put in their email, and we'll send you a link to that free download so you can find out for yourself just how powerful these tones can be. And does that, I have a lot of people that often ask me how they can have more experiences getting in touch with different realms of consciousness. Is this, is this a, a channel for that as well? This absolutely is a channel for really, I call it kind of an altered state of awareness or expanded Mm -hmm. state of awareness. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, this is our here and now. And when you listen to the tones, it kind of brings you one step away from the here and now. And you can kind of think of it as tuning into a different radio station. They're there all the time. They're just not accessible to us when we're walking around and thinking about our daily life. So it, you must calm your yourself you must calm your mind relax your body the dream state is a very common place where people can kind of get in touch with say the souls of departed loved ones and so this is kind of like putting yourself into a dream state but from the daytime you know so you kind of go from a everyday walking around into a very profound relaxed state Whereas in a dream, you're relaxed and then your awareness pops up in the middle of it. And Mm -hmm. really, 
the souls of, of our departed loved ones are just waiting for us to get calm so that they can access our energy field and start to have some kind of connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I find too, in doing this work and doing some medium work, but really the profound experience of a personal experience, or the personal profoundness of your own experience is so much more powerful than going outside, than seeking that knowledge from someone else. And I know Brian Weiss is really clear on this. And part of his work is allowing people to have the experience of their own past life experience, because that means more than me saying, oh, your dead grandfather is here or in a past life, you did this. It's, it's undeniable once you've had the experience. Absolutely. Exactly like you described being at our workshop and then going out and feeling your heart, not just hearing me talk about it like I am today, but actually feeling it. And you're like, oh, that's what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. Experience is absolutely critical to understanding these types of uh, Uh, kinds of things that that happen. Just hearing us talk about it isn't enough. And at first, people think that maybe you have to have this huge, profound experience where a big light shows up and, you know, there's your grandmother clear as a bell and it's very obvious. I got to tell you, even when that happens, if it should happen, people doubt, is it real? And so I recommend that people start more with kind of smaller things, build up your confidence that what you're actually interacting with has some basis in reality is not just something that you're making up. We need to learn to trust our inner kind of promptings. This is something in our world that, you know, things like intuition and gut feelings, you know, it's, it's funny how they're kind of diminished or dismissed when it's just something like that. But then you start talking to people like police officers who use their intuition every single day when they're sizing up a crime scene or talking to potential criminals. It actually is being used on a regular basis. We just don't talk about it that much. Mm -hmm. And we need to learn how to get in touch with that inner being that we are. And when, you know, when you brought up emotions earlier, a lot of times when we first start paying attention to our inner being, what we do is end up triggering all those right. past stored emotions. I know that's what happened to me and you're, and, and I'm thinking, this is why I'm doing this so I can go in there and have a crying spree. But well, when I, people shy away from meditation because of that, because right. they don't know what to do when these emotions come up because we don't learn how to deal with emotions very well. And so so I'm not doing that anymore. This doesn't feel good. Yeah, it didn't feel good to me at first. And I thought, what is the purpose of all of this? But what I realized over time is that if I felt myself kind of getting teary or emotional at the beginning of one of these, I'll call them sound journey sessions, meditative sessions, whatever, what have you, but I would start to feel myself getting teary. And I, and I started to tell myself, oh my gosh, this is going to be a good one. Because I realized that every time I would get into one of these experiences and my emotions were triggered, I would allow myself to feel the emotion. It's good to have sort of that inner observer, that neutral part of you that kind of pays attention to the breathing and the thoughts to have that kind of in your awareness. But this process can help you develop it. And there's a part of you that can sort of observe as you have these emotions, again, whatever's in your system that's triggered needs to be released. And so 
I would sit and allow myself to feel. I didn't have to analyze. I didn't have to know. Of course, my mind sometimes wanted to analyze, but that was not a requirement. And I found that after I cried or, or whatever it was, felt this emotion again, that as long as I kept allowing myself to feel and not shut it down, it evolved and it kept evolving into something wonderful. And that wonderful is something that we all can access by going within. And it's aligning to the greater part of who we all are that we've blocked ourselves mm-hmm. really by by suppressing our emotions. I did that for many years, suppressing our emotions, ignoring them, tamping them down. We're actually taking away our birthright to connecting with the whole of who we truly are, which includes all of those emotions. And once we're able to kind of trigger, release, and, and, and remove those emotions from our energy system, it's replaced with who we truly are. And that is the wonderful. It's actually made of love at its core. And going back to your uh, initial question about gratitude, by generating feelings of gratitude, we actually attract the love that comes from that source of all that is into our systems. That is what we are made of. And the way to get it inside of us is to develop it from within. It's not just going to happen by things that are going on around us or nice things people say to us, or maybe we get into a good relationship and we think, oh, that means I must be good enough. No, it happens from inside. And more and more people that I talk to, and this was my experience too, the more of us who take the time to get aligned inside, clear those stored past traumas, you know, generate these feelings of gratitude, love from within and get aligned and peace on the inside, the external world seems to just take care of itself. Everything seems to start lining up the way you always wanted it to. And, you know, but you can't do it for that reason with some kind of expectation that something's going to happen. But I'm telling you, that's exactly what happened. And I wanted, wanted, wanted things to be happening back during my three to four years of really taking tons of workshops and journaling and all of the things I was doing. And eventually I realized when I really let go of wanting to make something happen Mm -hmm. and said, ah, forget it, or probably a different, more expletive (laughs) word, forget it. Uh, Then things started to happen. And that was my surrender, my release, my letting go. And you can't pretend to let go and release. You really have to reach a point where it happens. And and as these things- The universe knows when we fake it, right? Yes. (laughs) And really, you know, too, because the world around you doesn't shift. And you're like, oh, that didn't work. And it's, well, you know, just- Keep practicing, keep aligning with that inner being of who you are, and the world truly will start to change and morph around you, really to meet all your wildest dreams. That's the only way I can put it. And it's not until you actually do it, just like that feeling in your heart, that you can truly, deeply understand how this really works. Well, and that's why when you were speaking at at the course and you said, the crises of mental, emotional, and physical are spiritual. It's because of that, right? When we try to make something mental that isn't meant to be a mental exercise, it's meant to be a spiritual exercise, but we try to muscle our way through it. That's what leads to all these other crises and issues is when we can't allow for that connection. 
Yeah, exactly. And HeartMath is an institute in California that's done tons of research on the heart. And they have learned how powerful the heart is compared to the brain. But what's so interesting is the heart does not have a linguistic center. The heart does not have words. What happens is you feel whatever it is out in the world and the heart sends information to the brain. The heart actually sends more information to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. It's the brain that decides to analyze and put meaning to it. And this is where our brains can sometimes get in our way because a lot of the meanings uh, that we have running through our minds, little statements that we think are so meaningful are things like, you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Or you're not worthy. You're and not lovable, I hear a lot. Not lovable. Or you don't do this right. Or you don't do that right. And we're constantly reminding ourselves of all the things that we do incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And those are the voices that we want to shift. Those are the voices that we want to change. But by feeling the heart and not assigning words to them in the beginning is a beautiful way to really get in touch with that feeling state. You know, we talk about the emotional, mental Uh, physical body. And uh, the physical body gets tons of attention, you know, if you have some kind of medical issue. And the uh, mental, one would say in the psychiatric world, gets lots of attention. But emotions are are a little trickier. They're Mm -hmm. not so easy to learn. And so often, as you were saying earlier, psychiatric practice just wants to keep you from being sad. (laughs) And, you know, yeah, I had a, a niece a young adult niece some years ago who was seeing a therapist who had recommended antidepressants. And she said to me, do you think I should take them? And I said, well, how do you feel? What's going on? And she said, well, I feel sad. And I said, well, it's okay to feel sad. Why do you not want to feel sad? She wasn't describing what I think of as someone who is truly depressed is Mm -hmm. drawn in their world. They can't interact with anyone. Trouble even getting out of bed. You know, not eating, they're sleeping is disturbed. They can't concentrate. They can't go to work. Right. Right. And she did not have that experience at all. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's a disservice, especially to our young people, even older people, to think that just feeling sad, that somehow something's wrong with you. But feeling sadness, feeling anger, feeling all of these things help us to learn in our world. These are important emotions. If we were all just walking around feeling happy, that would be wonderful on one level if we were truly happy on the inside out, but many of us are just pretending to be happy to satisfy the people around us. Ah, get off my back. I'm not really sad or angry. And then we suppress our emotions and that turns into disease eventually and lots and lots of troubles that then we turn to the Western medicine to fix right. all our physical problems when, when we're not even addressing our internal, I'll call them spiritual problems. Mm-hmm. Well, and how do we even know happiness? without the opposite. Very true. That is so, so true. Now, when I was doing my, what I called my spiritual boot camp, when I was taking tons and tons of classes, I was working full time at the same time, but also taking all these classes. The idea of love kept coming to me as a very important lesson for me to learn. And this was confusing to me because I thought, well, that's everybody's lesson. Everybody has to learn about love. What's the big deal? It feels a little generic, I think, sometimes. Yeah, it seemed like it. But in my case... It wasn't as generic as all that because I was actually in a relationship that I thought was going to teach me about love, but it wasn't. It was teaching me the exact opposite of what love 
is not. And that is a love filled with conditions and ways to behave in order to be accepted. And I was trying so hard in that relationship to do everything to make this person happy. And uh, it was because I thought that's how I was going to learn about love. And in fact, it's the exact opposite. Anytime someone is uh, in a personal relationship, putting conditions on you for receiving their love, that's not really love. Maybe you've got something going on there and there's something where the relationship is useful in some fashion, but it's not truly love. And I didn't know that without having the experience of the absence of it. And so these opposite emotions are incredibly useful. This is a, a world of polarity and we do have you know, opposites going on and it's a beautiful way to learn. In the book I wrote with Eben Alexander, Living in a Mindful Universe, we talk about how we're all one, that really mm-hmm. we're connected through one consciousness. And when we come to this realm, experiencing things in these polarity opposites really helps us to learn how the whole comes together. Well, we have to wrap up for today, but this was, I mean, always enlightening for me to chat about this stuff. So I'm really appreciative for you taking the time today to talk with me. Well, thank you. It was wonderful to talk with you too. And if people are interested in downloading their first experience, they can go to Sacred Acoustics sacredacoustics.com. Look for the free download icon, enter your email, and we'll send you an email with a link to that download. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Karen, for taking the time today. All right. Thank you. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.